Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast and become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows featuring guests sharing stories about growing up in a haunted house that was possessed by an evil presence, a nightmarish encounter with a UFO in the dead of night, and the financial horror stories from those who won the lottery and lived to regret it. Head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to hear these programs and many more truly thought-provoking shows from coast to coast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. Richard Serrett sitting in for George Norrie coming to you live from Coast's Toronto, Canada affiliate In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis stays with us. The book is Alliance of Evil, Russia, China, the United States, and a new Cold War has the mystery of the end times finally arrived. There have been, uh, all, obviously, some altercations with the Russians, uh, particularly, um, uh, well, I wouldn't call them Russian regular troops. These are more like mercenaries in Syria. The United States has certainly encountered or had heated battles with them. Uh, there have been some near collisions in the South China Sea with Chinese vessels. How do you see this, uh, or what is the the danger of this breaking out into all-out war and perhaps, as you point out, morphing into the unfathomable, uh, uh, the end, an end-time scenario. Well, certainly the confrontations are on the uptick, uh, Richard. And we had one here recently with the USS uh, Decatur, a destroyer, uh, in the Graven Reefs in the South China Sea, uh, the Chinese uh, warship came only a few meters away from it. And just uh, in the last day, we've had a couple of B-52s that have flew over um, you know, the contested area in the South China Sea. People need to understand that um, these islets, uh, 3,400 acres that the Chinese have militarized with cruise missiles and air defense weapons and you know, created not only harbors for their warships, but also for their jet fighters and their bombers that they practice from, uh, that these are claimed um, by the Vietnamese, the Taiwanese, as well as the Filipinos. And they're 660 miles or in that range south of China. So this is not just, you know, next door to them. It's really in the middle of that uh, sea. But these confrontations are on the increase. Uh, we've had a lot in the South China Sea, East China Sea. Uh, the Russians are being very provocative um, at sea and in the air, as I've indicated. And, of course, uh, they have their neighbors to the west uh, terrified to the point that the uh, Polish uh, prime minister has called for uh, giving the U.S. $2 billion to forward station armor brigades uh, so that they can be prepared in case uh, the Russians do what they did uh, in Ukraine or Crimea or uh, the Republic of Georgia, which is a concern. And you mentioned the mercenaries. Yes, back in February of this year, we killed uh, a couple hundred. And it's interesting. We have a, a hotline with the Russian military in Syria, and we called them and said, are these your troops? And they said no, and so we killed them. Um, and that's the nature of mercenaries, but they were there uh, to represent uh, the Assad regime. Uh, and, of course, uh, the Russians wiped their hands of that, even though we know where they came from and what they did. Well, Syria, uh, 
obviously that looms large in any end time scenario. Uh, is 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 that the most likely flashpoint as far as you're concerned? At this point, it certainly is a flashpoint. Uh, I would argue that. Uh, you know, if you got into, say, Ezekiel 38, that we're really talking uh, the, the Gog and Magog, uh, and that Magog uh, could be the country of, say, Turkey. I know it's interesting. A friend of mine spoke with uh, uh, General, now President, uh, el-Sisi of Egypt, who told him less than a year ago that he thought that Erdogan, who is the current president uh, of Turkey, is really... Uh, seeks to be the caliph and to establish a caliphate. And his statements have been very, very um, conducive to that interpretation, not only within the region, but, you know, the release of uh, the American pastor Brunson here recently uh, was after great pressure we put on him, uh, Erdogan, uh, to cooperate with us. But yet, we find that he's traveling all over the world. He was just two weeks ago in, of all places, Kern, Cologne, Germany. What was he doing there? Yeah, he was doing a state visit, but he was also dedicating a mosque. Now, that's not very typical of presidents of countries going across the world doing that sort of thing. But this guy has, uh, and he consistently has had over the years, uh, very ambitious thoughts about uh, the reemergence of the Ottoman Empire. He is a neo-Ottoman, and I don't think anyone that follows him closely would dispute that. So uh, these are issues. Syria is you know, clearly something that Erdogan is watching. He's collaborating with the Russians, who are, of course, uh, even though there's some friction there, they are working together. Uh, and, of course, they're working against uh, the likes of Riyadh, but they're collaborating as well with Iran, who has a now, a lot of forces, especially Quds forces there near Damascus and operating, even drones threatening uh, northern Israel. So when you kind of put the picture together, you see the Iranians, uh, certainly the Turks are sort of allies, the Russians and the Chinese, and the Chinese, yes, are beginning to show up in even Syria, uh, hoping to kind of lick their chops and and put together that country once uh, a declaration of peace can be found and they can find a political solution. So uh, a lot of players here, a confused battlefield, uh, but I clearly see Syria as part of this uh, long-term uh, agenda. You mentioned Erdogan, and, and I wanted to ask you about Turkey. Do they belong in NATO even at this point? You know, that's a fair question. I don't think so. Uh, my concern would be, one, you know, if you go back to '03, uh, we tried to put our 4th Division through Turkey into northern Iraq through Mosul to attack Saddam. You know, a good ally would have allowed that to happen. Of course, Erdogan didn't want that to happen, and they blocked us, and we ended up having to take all those troops through the Suez up through the Gulf into uh, Kuwait. Um, Erdogan has not been cooperating. Of course, they purchased the S-400s, uh, surface-to-air missiles from the Russians. Uh, they're being pretty cozy with the Russians of late. Uh, they even purchased a long-term nuclear uh, power plant on the Med from the Russians. And, of course, as we've seen elsewhere, as soon as you have an operational power plant, much like they have uh, in downtown Tehran, uh, and on the coastlines there, then you can begin to make uh, plutonium, and that 
put you on a glide path to having a nuclear capability. And I think that's what Air to One wants ultimately. Well, the, it's just too rich. So the, 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 the Turkey is buying um, air defense systems that would be at least under the umbrella of NATO, ostensibly used to protect NATO from Russian missiles. Yes. And that, you know, because we will not connect our uh, patriots and other uh, fads to a Russian S-400. Uh, that's why uh, there's a it's a non sequitur. We just won't do it. Uh, and that is uh, a major um, bone of contention. And, of course, uh, there are others. Even though we've tried to maintain good relations with the Turks, and up until now, uh, you know, subsequent to the you know, 1930s when Ataturk tried to secularize that nation, uh, Erdogan is doing just the opposite, trying to radicalize it uh, with his Islamic uh, viewpoint and trying to return to the grandeur of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, so NATO, no. I don't think that they should be a member of NATO. You know, NATO is such a complex thing for us today, as we mentioned in the last hour, uh, because, you know, anyone could, you know, call for an Article 5, say, you know, the Russians are picking on me, please come to my rescue. Uh, do we want to be tethered in the future war world to that? Well, you know, we have that alliance, but keep in mind, I have no doubt that the Russians and the Chinese are just, you know, very tight now out of necessity. They don't want to be contained by us, and I don't know that we can contain them. Uh, but they want to form their own little alliance, and to a certain degree, this Belt and Road strategy of President Xi around the world and collaboration with the Russians and military exercises, this is all painting a picture where you can see a divided world emerging. Uh, so to abandon NATO, even though it has all sorts of you know, warts and problems with it, at this point might not be well advised, but certainly allowing Turkey into our secrets, into our systems with a Russian-made air defense system is not a good idea either. Now, far from for me to to um, stand up for the House of Saud, but uh, given that so much of the narrative of the Khashoggi uh, murder has come from the Turks and also Qatar, uh, another sort of sworn enemy of Saudi Arabia, is it possible? Do you think there's anything to the the idea that that Qatar, Turkey are trying to? drive a wedge between the the United States and uh, their, their their allies the Saudis with this well, of course you know that's the sort of thing that you know kind of the poker in the inner geopolitical world that takes place all the time behind the scenes you know who were the the people that were in the you know the Saudi um, embassy that night uh, I suppose some details will eventually come out but the clandestine type of operations you know, from one nation to another, or perhaps not nation states, but other activities, take place, unfortunately, all the time. You know, we're in a tight spot. What can President Trump do? He can sanction entities and individuals, uh, even if Khashoggi was, you know, demonstrated to have been murdered as it would appear to be by uh, henchmen that were under the uh, leadership of Salman, don't know, but uh, that could be. Clearly, we could cancel the arms deal, but, I mean, we've been not only $110 billion, it's far in excess of that, and we have a lot of people on the ground working hand-in-glove with them, but we risk our uh, relationship 
with the Saudis against Iran. And, of course, the Saudis, interestingly, are aligned with Pakistan. Pakistan has nuclear weapons, um, and the PACs are, of course, distanced from us now aligned with the Chinese. So you, you've got to look at second and third order effects of any decision geopolitically in that part of the world. Uh, otherwise, you end up with no one that you can go to and uh, work with, uh, given your your vested interests. And of course, the, the Yemen situation, we've been helping them a great deal, the Riyadh government, and trying to battle the Houthis and others, and of course, the Iranians, you know, through proxies in that part of the world. Um, I wish it were simple. It's not simple. Uh, the world's divided. And, of course, as we see this, what I call the alliance of evil, Russia and China, using the mechanisms behind the scenes through a variety of proxies, not just the North Koreans and the Iranians, but others, I think uh, uh, Erdogan is going to be one of those proxies to a certain degree, even though he would like to think that he can rule the, the Muslim world. Um, I think the Chinese have a better idea for him. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.